Bum, 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 bum. It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here. Fun, 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 in the sun, sun, sun. I want to lie, shipped, wrecked, and comatose, drinking fresh mango juice. Goldfish shows nibbling at my toes. Fun, 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 Hello, Smegheads. My name is Jed Shepherd. And I'm Daniela Phillips. Thanks very much for joining us once again for the finale of Smegheads, the, the Red, Red Dwarf, Dwarf Podcast. Podcast. Series 7, though. It's not the finale of Smegheads forever. No. We'll, we'll, we'll be co- we're coming back. A couple more seasons to go now. Um, but yeah, the final episode of Series 7, and this episode is called Nanarchy. Now, this episode isn't about your nan who's just had a tizer and just is all worked up and has a bit of a, a dance and embarrasses you. It's not that at no. all. If, if, that, if, that, if that's what you're looking for, then you need to check out BBC One uh, at peak times because that's kind of a Catherine Tate type thing. Is the, it? I feel like that's what would okay, happen on okay. the Catherine Tate show. Uh, this episode is about nanobots and them going crazy, therefore nanobots sanarchy. Nanarchy. <laughs> See what they did. I'm there. with you. Yeah. Um, God, eight, eight episodes in this series. Yeah, it's a long one. I feel like two too many. <laughs> it was like six too many. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, so we're at the end, Daniela. Are, are you, what, I know. What have you thought of season seven so far? Not, not as bad, as I said, all, all along. Okay. It's not as bad as I was led to believe. Well, we will explore, we will explore the, the whole series right at the end of this episode anyway. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's talk about what happens in this episode. Uh, um, we've got laughter here as well. It's got a laugh yeah. track? That yeah. is good. Yeah. And I feel like that was absolutely necessary for some of this because oh, some of it dragged on a little bit. Um, we've got the. It's just a continuation of the previous episode. It's a continuation of the fact uh, from uh, the episode before, which was Epidine. Not Eponine, as I called it. No, it's not Les Miserables. No, not Les Mis. Oh, I loved uh, Eponine from um, the Les Mis film. Who doesn't? She's great. Yeah. Um, but this has nothing to do with that. This is a continuation of Epidine. Um, so we still. We, we, we're living with the facts that Lister's got one arm, guys. He's got one yes. arm. Yes. Um, and that's not good. He's our lead character, the last human alive, and he's almost like half a human now. Um, I wouldn't say half, but he's missing a significant portion of his human yeah. bits. What makes a person a human? Okay, let's go. Let's go deep. Brain. Okay, that's all it is. An a brain. intelligent, intelligent human brain, isn't it? So the end of season six, where you see him as a brain in the jar, that that's human. He's a human in that. That's all it needs. It can be a brain in the jar and be human. Uh, isn't it something like the human race is the only one able to control their amount of offspring? Interesting. Well, and that's the, that makes us human. I don't know, but it's, it's a fact. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Sometimes I think people think the word human means good. I don't think it means no, good. There's no, there's no, there's there's plenty of bad humans out there. Yeah, exactly. In fact, we're the scum of the earth. We're the ones destroying the earth for all the other things. Yeah. Sentient beings yeah. on it. Um, so <laughs> let's not go into that on the Red Dwarf podcast. But, it's a bit deep. Yeah, it's a little bit deep. But I th- personally think um, 
what makes us human is the ability to kind of understand and empathize with other people who are in, in within our race uh, which i don't feel like a lot of animals can do okay do monkeys not do that I think monkeys can care for each other, but I don't think they can empathise. Like, for instance, okay. if they see a wounded monkey, they're not going to think, "Okay, we need to help this monkey." We need to. They'll just think, "Dead monkey." Oh, okay. The I, th- I thought they were a bit more sort of. I don't know, but you, I mean, guys, prove me wrong. The monkey yeah, experts out not, there. I know I'm there not, are a few. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, so we have Dave Lister with one arm, and they he's having a bad time with this. He's having a bad time. They're trying to help him kind of come to terms with it. Crichton's there, plucking away at the guitar, being his right, literally his right arm, right hand man, um, playing the guitar while Lister does the chords, and um, they kind of attempt to kind of like play a Which song. Which is no with worse it. than usual, to be fair. In fact, it's a little bit better, maybe. Yeah, I think so. It's improved. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's quite a, a sad state of affairs. Um, he's also become too reliant on Crichton and is almost embarrassed to tell Chrissy Kachansky like, just how reliant he has become. But it's not like he's still got his two feet, he's still got his brain, he's still got his left hand. He can still do most of the things he could do before, but he's really taken this to heart and he's essentially become a baby again. Um, yeah, I guess it probably takes some a period of adjustment. Yeah, but Crichton's like feeding him. Thing. Yeah, but still, you've lost your arm. Okay, would you? What arm would you rather lose? My my left, obviously. Okay, would you rather lose your arms or your legs? Um, uh, my arms. Okay, that'd be. Mm, I think yeah, I think arms. Would, I don't know. Maybe the legs, you can still like drive around and stuff and push yourself around. I get. I'd get prosthetic arms. Mm. I feel like you need the kind of the nimble your nimble fingers and that that's hard to create then the two slabs which are your feet which you don't really use to articulate and um, grab things I feel like your hands would be more important I don't grab a lot of things Jed don't know hmm you grab the boy's attention that's what you do oh, that's what you do smooth <laughs> so we've got uh, this situation where he's just a real sad sack he's the Eeyore of the um, he's the Daniela Phillips of the um, <laughs> of the crew right now and usually he's the one trying to G up the rest of them because it must be boring in deep space but he is at his wits end right now because, um, re- kind of regressing back into his kind of like formative baby state and Chrissy is there just like what are you doing you're still a human being you've still got the ability to do things like this This is embarrassing now um, and he's still he, I mean even though he is that kind of depressed he's still kind of into like Kachansky um and uh yeah i mean i don't know what it would be like i mean i I watched a video recently of a a guy kind of without any legs and he for the last 40 years he became an engineer because he lost his legs and he built his own legs and these legs amazing yeah and and his legs are like super duper and i think he makes it for other other people now but um yeah it's just really inspiring um so I, like losing a limb yeah it sucks it really really sucks but it's not the end of your life no and Lister no. being the selfish kind of person he is he's kind of thinking it's the end of, of his world and they try and sort of g him out of it by saying you know there's lots of other people out there that yeah survive and i feel like this and there's lots of people who have gone on to do great things with like not very many limbs i feel the scene dragged on for way too long yeah i feel like they 
they they named Lord Nelson, and then that was it. They couldn't really think of anything else, but they didn't move on. It, it genuinely felt like the scriptwriters were trying to think of somebody yeah. couldn't and, in yeah. real time. Like, and was there no Google around? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it almost felt a little bit ad-libbed, and it was like, it was just dragged on and on and on and on. It's like, yeah, like, okay, we get it. Like, you, you can't think of anyone else and blah, blah, blah. This, this bit should have been cut in half at the very, very least. I just agree. on. And then, like, Kachansky was repeating it back again and again and again. It was like, oh, God, just let anyone else do it. But her, her, her comedic delivery is 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 ridiculous. Um, anyway, this drags on and they can't name any other people besides Lord Nelson who achieved anything. But I don't think he achieved anything because of his uh, disabilities. Um, he achieved it... Um, in spite of it. Yeah, I think, you know, he was already a badass, so... Yeah, exactly. He already already had the power. Um, but then um, Kachansky remembers that on in her universe, the uh, Crichton there had the ability to repair itself with nanobots. Um, now, it makes me think, okay, so why haven't we heard yeah, about this why, before? Yeah, why didn't he know this? Yeah. He seems to know quite a lot about his abilities and what he is and isn't able to do. Yeah. So. Why Maybe it's just a lot this? more common in in her universe. We don't know like the ins and outs of what's happened in her universe, um, and and what they these nanobots. In in case you don't know what nanobots are, when this came out, nanobots were were quite um, a big thing, um, and there are smaller than subparticle atoms that can that can, if you have enough of them, can repair and be made into anything, and in science fiction they can be used to be the kind of the get out of jail free card um, and that's what they're using it as here um, and they basically want to use the, the Crichton's nanobots in order to create a new arm for Philista um, it makes me think okay I understand that there's a self-repair system in a mechanoid but how do they know that it can be used on humans otherwise why don't they have just a in the medical kit a nanobot like injector yeah it's, it's a little bit strange. A little bit of a jump in, in, in logic. It does matter. This is a sci-fi comedy, so I'm willing to take that leap in logic anyway. Um, so, yeah, and basically they use the excess tissue that's around the kind of stump of Lister's arm, um, and they would use that to make it in, into, into a fully-fledged proper arm. Um, so Crichton then kind of realised, oh, yeah, 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 I've got nanobots. I just never mentioned it before, but... Um, that's because they kind of ran away from him uh, when they were on the uh, Esperanto with the despair squid and all that. The nanobots disappeared, which is very convenient. Yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and then he basically said "There's it's impossible to find because we're too far gone. Um, so just we just might as well just give, give up. So um, they come up with a plan to kind of still get it. They go into deep sleep, which is the kind of, again, a trope they use very, very often to kind of get out of situations. They go into deep sleep on Starbug. Um, like, I don't... Is this dangerous to keep going into deep sleep? I don't know. Would you do that? You know, like what you said in another episode, if you were, if you could go to Mars. I think it'd be yeah, really cool to go to Mars. I don't think I'd ever want to go into space, so... If if you could go into 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 Mar onto Mars and there was a way to go come back, no, I'm would not you go to deep sleep? No, no, I'll stay on Earth. Thank you. I'm definitely interested. Sign me up, Elon Musk. I know it will be you who does it or Google. Oh yeah, I'll definitely do it. Did you see that thing recently with Elon Musk trying to save the uh, soccer team yes. in the caves? Yeah, and he basically took credit for it and he was nothing to do with it. I know. He turned up with his submarine and were like, um, "This doesn't work. We don't need it." And then he just kind of like didn't tweet about it again and it was just like yeah yeah good job everyone we did a real good job he didn't help at all in fact he was a hindrance um 
so yes, yeah, so they go into deep sleep uh, with the es- express uh, intention to go back to the SS- Esperanto in order to get those nanobots. Um, so they return back there after uh, a deep sleep and the computer basically kind of wakes them up. And I feel like, why don't they do this all the time? There's tons of situations where... I wish I could do that. Go to sleep and wake up. And it's my birthday! <laughs> what, just what about the rest of the time? I don't know. Or sleep during the week and wake up at the weekend. But, but then I guess I'd be fired. You'd be fired yeah. and you wouldn't have any money and you'd yeah. wake up every Saturday and be like, okay, no, nothing to eat today. <laughs> I'll put myself back to sleep. At uh, least ton of weight. That's true. But I assume that there's injects and nutrients into you and stuff and that's what yeah, the machine does. Yeah. I assume. But they can't but the nutrients must be good for you. It's not gonna be like it'd be a good diet for yeah. you. Yeah. And also last time when he went into deep sleep, his nails grew and his hair grew. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Mm. We kind of been there for that long then. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they fixed that kind of element of in, in this series for the machine because we're still dealing in the world post the Starbug being recreated. Um, once it um, remember blew up the time drive in at the end of season six, so maybe all of these things are fixed and improved. Um, so yeah, so they basically um, they go back to the Esperanto, but they get woken up a little bit early because there's something else in front of them that isn't what um what they expect it's a planetoid and this planetoid is acting very weird um and Crichton confirms that this planetoid isn't a planetoid it's in fact red dwarf it's red dwarf and it, and like shock that what's going on oh. why is why is red dwarf why is this planetoid giving off the readings of red dwarf it's very strange yeah um now we haven't seen red dwarf since the almost the last episode of season five, no. Demons and Angels. Um, so we jumped over one scene. That I wanted oh yeah, to talk let's talk about, about it. So I wanted to talk about the scene where they've given him the new arm and he's trying to come <laughs> yeah, to terms yeah. with it. And this arm's a big pink monstrosity. Yeah, and they're saying, you know, pick up the ball, but instead he's like <laughs> punching Chrysan and getting angry, yeah. and it's like. It's, it's it's an angry arm. And it just reminded me of this Hammer horror film that my dad bought me one Christmas. And it's about like an, ar- an arm that detaches itself okay. from somebody and goes on like a murderous rampage at night. Was it Hammer just, Horror? Yeah. Wow. I've still got the DVD. I can't remember what Do it's you? called. Yeah. Can I borrow um, it if yeah, you find it? Yeah, of course That's you can. interesting. Yeah. Um, but that feels a little bit like um, any Hammer Frankenstein film where... Um, like obviously it's made up of dead bodies and, and, and dead criminals um, so the body parts kind of react independently of themselves and have are on a killing spree because obviously if you're going to use the raw materials of a criminal you're yeah. going to act like yeah. a criminal like an yeah. evil person yeah so I, anyway. I quite I quite like that scene. I didn't mind it. I, liked it. I quite liked it as well. It reminded me a little bit of Hellboy, like one small arm and one big arm. Um, <laughs> and obviously we knew it was going to punch Crichton, especially as Crichton was kind of craning his neck to get in the way of a punch. Yeah. Um, it's funny. And also they use like the rule of three here. It's like how many times can they do this without it kind of losing its funniness yeah, three so times? Sort of, yeah. Um, it was quite funny though. Yeah, you are right. Um yeah, so they find this big planetoid and it ends up, it is Red Dwarf. Um, and they kind of uh, figure out that the weather on this planetoid is, is is all right for them to kind of, it's got an atmosphere, they can land on it. And when they land on it, they realise all of the uh, things upon it are just bits from Red Dwarf like that they used to. So they, yeah. can, they can raid this place and get all the supplies they want um, because it's basically a, a massive world full of stuff that they need on their journeys. Um, which is quite interesting. It is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I can't work out what the nanobots 
what their kind of thinking was behind making Red Dwarf into a planetoid. Was that explained? No, no, I don't think so. I think they're just mischievous. Are they? But aren't they designed to kind of self-heal? And I, Maybe they thought they were healing Red Dwarf dwarf by making it into a planet who knows who knows i'm not quite sure um but the uh yeah the kind of twig obviously that the nanobots created this planet out of red dwarf and it's quite bizarre and um obviously that's their beloved red dwarf gone the whole ship they were chasing for the last two years has actually been a planetoid and it's uh, a ship no more which is kind of strange. So basically, they go back to Starbug with all the stuff that they've collected um, from the surface of, of the essentially Red Dwarf. Um, but one thing they do take back is uh, a watch that contains Holly. I know. That was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. And we haven't seen this version of Holly since season two. No. Because it's not Hayy Haywidge. No. It's Norman Lovett. The the original and only Holly in my eyes. No, I like Hayy Haywidge. Oh, I like Hattie. No. Season three Hattie's peak Hattie. I thought she was good, um, but like it's, it is always good to see Norman love it, and he has a certain kind of way about him, this sardonic sense of humour, real dry humour. And have you seen Norman love stand up before? No, I haven't. He does his stand up with a plastic bag, just throwing the plastic bag in the air and watching it fall, and does that a few times and just goes jellyfish, <laughs> and it's and it's good. Um, and obviously, I love it. It's one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Well, maybe not. Um, so we've got uh, Holly back now, which is which is a great surprise. And I can't remember if this was telegraphed in the kind of uh, the PR for this before the series came out. Or oh, it's just a surprise. Yeah, but you know, it was it was a welcome surprise, and I, I was really pleased to see him. Even rewatching it, I was like, oh yeah, Holly's in this. This is great. This is cool. Um, again, I feel like it's hard to have Holly in. Red Dwarf when Crichton's in Red Dwarf because yes. they, they do the same thing they're the exposition for any particular episode and because Crichton now is the exposition Mr. Exposition you don't need the ship's computer telling you what's happening you don't need the ship computer saying well this person is from the 1490s and uh, this is what they did and the reason they're here is because of this scientific thing because Crichton knows it anyway mm. um, so there's always going to be conflict there but it's, it's great to see Norman Lovett back um and then kind of uh, um, that's how they find out about the nanobots and they kind of figure out that the nanobots are on the ship, in, are on Starbug. In the laundry basket. In the laundry basket, <laughs> in, specifically in Lister's laundry basket. Um, in his, And he makes some kind of joke about having a jockstrap big enough to hold the whole universe. Yes. Which is, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine that like, this laundry basket being an absolute cesspit of disease. Yeah, but you think, you know, Crichton would have got a handle on that. That's true, actually. Maybe Crichton's installed some kind of um, hygiene routine, maybe, in this, but probably not. Uh, but Crichton has to go rooting around inside Lister's laundry basket to find these nanobots. And he finds them, holds them in a jar, and gives them what for. Um, because... Christine Kachansky wants to talk to them to try and persuade them to kind of help them out. And Crichton's like, don't worry, I know how to speak to them. And just taps the glass with a pencil um, in order to get them all riled up. Considering he's only just remembered that they exist, yeah. um, I found it a bit strange that he knew how to deal with them. I, th- I think he, he was clutching a certain at straws. Amount of familiarity. Yeah, but also he's clutching at straws because he doesn't want Christine Kachansky to get all the credit all the time for. Because she's intelligent, she's an officer, so she knows yeah. these things. So he, or I feel almost it's like, like showing he was like, I'll, I'll do this. Yeah, exactly. So he was just like banging on the things and got them all riled up and ready to help them um, 
uh, do what they want. And what he's asked for is it's nothing too short of a miracle. He asked for them, uh, the nanobots, to give Lister back his arm and also bring back Red Dwarf. Yeah. Which seemed a little bit of a... Um, I don't know. You know how um, it's uh, Ray from Star Wars was called a Mary Sue. How she's she can do everything, and she's been an unbelievable character because she embodies everything that any if she every um, obstacle she faces she can handle. Even though she's meant to be like a brand new person, um, and that's what kind of a Mary Sue is like. Someone who's a kind of a it is everything to everybody. Okay. I feel like this is kind of similar to the nanobots. That the nanobots can basically do anything that okay. the script wants them to yeah. do. It's like okay. they can do this. If if the script wants them to to make another Earth, they could probably do that. Anyway, so because uh, Crichton has really riled them up and has and they don't want to be banged on it in the jar anymore, um, they start off with giving Lister back his body. Now, <laughs> question: What did yeah. you think of this scene? So, uh, well, I can tell you what I um, I wrote back. I wrote okay. down. I put. Um, new arm for list and shit back wakes up buff <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's basically it. I'm just a bit like okay but I didn't understand why he was upset by it I don't understand like they gave it's him so, surely you'd be like oh my god look at me now yeah they gave him a buff body a better healthier body yeah and I was expecting Kachansky to go uh, Lister can we get back together again or something yeah. like that because he's healthier and he, but he looked absolutely shocked he was screaming like no yeah, I was really surprised. That wasn't the reaction I was expecting. It didn't make any sense. No. And like, Crichton was like, oh, I'm going to excuse myself now. But I think that's an improvement. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought the special effects were pretty good there. Because yeah, I was trying to think, I, how yeah. did they do this? Because obviously when he was like secured to the board, I was like, okay, so his head's there in someone else's body. But then mm. when he got up, I was like, oh, I don't know how they're doing this. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was practical. I think it was CGI, but... Um, but it was good, well done. It, it was good. very well done. Yeah, yeah. In fact, this episode in general, like the, because there's a lot to do uh, for, for the CGI team in this, and I think they did a really good job. Um, so they have to kind of like deal with the fact that Lister is now um, buff. But then Kachansky's um, like, oh, we'll, we'll give him, we'll tell him to do it, give it another go around. Um, in the meantime, Red Dwarf has been reconstructed, and like they said, and. Um, we see Red Dwarf appear and the iconic red, early Red Dwarf music um, is heard. It's like, yeah, I love that music. Classic. It's so good. It really puts you into a kind of nostalgic mood of when things were better and Red Dwarf was awesome. Um, but yeah, we've basically uh, got to see Red Dwarf back again. So they're really happy with that. They've got Holly back again. It seems like a new era of Red Dwarf. And then uh, all Cat all has to do is um, land Starbuck back into Red Dwarf. Um, but as he does that, he realises something's a little bit wrong. Yeah. And the last image we kind of see is um, Starbuck the size of a fly flying into the <laughs> land massive. and dock of Red Dwarf. There's another Starbuck in there already, and they're the size of a fly. And he's like, guys, guys, something's wrong. And it kind of ends. A um, little bit of an anticlimax, I feel. But not bad. Not a bad. Not, not bad. bad. We've had worse. Yeah, it kind of makes you think, oh, okay, so next series is going to be them really small um, dealing in this big kind of giant land, which doesn't happen. Um, They're going to be like the borrowers. Yeah, it's basically going to be a borrowers episode. Um, but again, there was a lot to like in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind it. Um, what's your, what was your favourite bit, would you say? 
You like the I like the arm bit with the the, yeah. the the ball and the punching. Yeah, that was good. Um, I quite liked um, the kind of it's the kind of early scenes where where Lister's just depressed and having to come to terms and having to kind of almost admit to himself that he's been a bit of a baby. Um, I kind of like it when Lister's kind of masculinity, toxic masculinity okay. is tested. Yeah. Um, so a little, a little bit about the, this episode. Um, this is the first time we've seen Holly for a while uh, since Back to Reality, um, and uh, well, the male Holly. Uh, the, the, actually, the last time we saw Holly was in Back to Reality, and that was Hattie Hayridge. But the last time we saw uh, the male Holly was in Series Two and from Parallel Universe. That's the last time we saw him. It's been quite a while then. It's been ages because he just didn't want to come back because he wanted to do his own show, a bit like Chris Barry, in fact, um, and he was went off to do I Love It which I don't know if you've seen I Love It we've t- talked about this before on the podcast yeah it's not it's not that good it's not that good he has a talking dog um, but it's basically Holly with a talking dog and I'm up, I'm up for that yeah um, so it's taken them it's taken them a little while to, to, to get back to Red Dwarf but I think it helped that Starbug was 300% faster based on the ep- um, Epidemic virus helping them and I think that's what's got them there um and yeah, I think it's uh, the one. Of, it's in the top three episodes in this series. Oh wow! I think, Not, which we'll I go on think, to. I don't think it'll be in mine. Okay, well we'll go into that into the set into a second. Um, just to give you a little bit more context of of the time of of when this was out. When this came out, uh, Red Dwarf was a very 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 popular uh, TV show, um, and this episode got the highest rating so far. This got eight million viewers. Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot for a sitcom on BBC. It got so many views. I mean, it's breaking records now on on Dave, but that's on Dave. Um, and I think there's a um, there's, there's quite a lot to play with. Maybe they didn't think they was going to get another series, so they wanted to end it in a way where people would just die for another series. Um, it was a bit of a silly ending. I thought. Um, and also, this was um, around the same time where Chloe Annette was in another BBC show. Do you remember the other show she was in? I don't know. Crime Traveller. I've never heard of that. So this was a, B- this was a BBC one. I think it was on Saturday evenings, like 7pm, like just before casualty or something, where the premise of the show was um, a cop would go back through time, a little bit like Timeless, with, um, with my mate, um, what's her name? from Timeless that we spoke about oh Abigail Spencer Abigail Spencer who I'm talking to on the phone tomorrow or something um, yes yeah, a bit like Timeless where the, she is the assistant to the guy going back in time a bit like a rubbish Doctor Who um, so yeah so she was all over the BBC at this point and you never really see her anymore wonder why I don't know she just like give up she, yeah maybe she uh, retired from acting well, I wouldn't be too surprised, to be quite honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Red Dwarf must have just, like, knocked her for six. She didn't want to do anything else again. Um, but, yeah, it's it's quite a interesting thing, um, especially with the prost- prosthetic limbs, because you'd think they'd be able to fashion something a bit better than that big old arm. Because in real life right now, you can get good prosthetic yeah, limbs. Yeah, amazing. look realistic. Yeah, you can't so, even tell. Yeah, so to have a big plastic one is, is a bit strange. Um and yeah, this this kind of nicely sets us up for series eight, which which I'm actually looking forward to now. Actually, okay, that's good. I'm looking forward to it as well, just because I haven't watched it in a while. But I not to give any spoilers, but they're basically back with Red Dwarf with a crew of Red Dwarf. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah, so you get to see them interact with other people for once, 
which will be good. Um, and uh, this is... It, I mean, the continuity between season seven and series eight isn't great, but... When uh, is it ever, though? <laughs> yeah, but we'll talk about that when we do series eight. Okay. Um, hopefully we'll record that quite soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we don't want too much of a gap between them anymore. Um, and yeah, I guess we should really kind of... Shall we give our kind yeah. of chart of... I've been desperately like trying to scribble down and remember. Okay, so what's your what's your kind of... Uh, what's your top six? Let's start with your worst episode of season seven. Oh, my worst? Yeah, let's start um, with the worst. Ouroboros. How do we pronounce that? Ouroboros. Ouroboros or Ouroboros. Okay. Okay, that's your worst. Okay, yeah. what's your fifth? Sorry, what's your seventh worst? Um, duct soup. As your seventh place in yeah. sixth places. Stoke me a clipper. Wow, that low. Yeah. Okay, and your number five. Uh, Nanarchy. Okay. Number four. Epidermy. Epiderm. 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 This is like uh, when we were talking about court. Um, yeah. Space core. Yeah. And you're like, corp. It's like, no, it's cool. Uh, okay, that was number four. Yeah. What's number three? Number three is Tika to Ride. Okay, number two? Number two is Beyond a Joke. And number one? Blue. That's weird. Really? Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Okay, here's my, my order. Uh, eighth is... Oh god, there's so many bad ones. I think duck soup is the worst. I was really <laughs> seven and eight were interchangeable. They were both pretty bad. Um, so yeah, duck soup is my worst one. Then Ouroboros was was yeah, is my yeah. seventh. Uh, in sixth place, I'm gonna give that to Ouroboros. Oh no, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, that's my seventh worst. Sixth place, I'm Epidine. Okay. Um, in fifth place, Nanarchy. Oh, it's funny. So uh, every two is it more or less it's the lots. other way around? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've got f- four more left. Um, okay. Then I would say Beyond the Joke is number four. Me the Kipper number three. Because that would be a great episode. If it wasn't for the bit at the start, that would be a good episode. Yeah. Uh, Blue is second. That is a a good episode. And my favourite is Ticket to Ride. Okay. Um, I think just Michael Shannon, uh, JFK stuff is all good. Yeah, it was was good. I did think the top top three, so Blue, Ticket to Ride, um, Beyond a Joke and Ticket to Ride, I really enjoyed those three episodes. So either of those could have been top, but I just think the Rimmer... The Rimmer song just pushed it. Okay. Oh, you didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah. So as a whole, what's your view compared to the to the rest yeah, of the episodes? Yeah, the same, as, same as I've been I've been saying. It isn't as bad as I thought. Um, it certainly hasn't been the worst series. Really? What do you no. think the worst series is? I can't think right One now. One of the, the new top ones. Of my head. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the not the last series because I thought that was really strong, 12. even though it had the best episode, worst episode in it. Yeah. I think the series before <laughs> I didn't think was great. I think mm. this series is better. To okay. Be okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think a lot. Bit, I think the, the kind of ravages of time have kind of been a bit kind to series yeah. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think um, personally I think 7 isn't as bad as I thought it would be because I think eight's going to be the worst mm, let's see I think, I'm think i looking forward to 9 
be quite honest, even though that's a short series. Um, because I can't wait to, to delve into I'm that. I'm looking forward to a short series. <laughs> yeah, it's very short. We could probably record that uh, just just after we record eight. Um, I think we need a break. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need a break. Get a sense of perspective. Oh yeah, yeah, good point. Well, actually, um, series uh, yeah, series nine, three episodes. So um, no, series eight. It has how many episodes of series eight? Let me just double check. Oh my bloody god! Another eight episodes. Oh series. no! Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and uh, series eight. I've got the the double parter called Pete, Pete one and Pete two, which are the two worst episodes of Red Dwarf ever. Okay, I look forward to them. So we, uh, yeah, it's gonna be good. Can't wait. Um, okay, guys. Well, that's another series of Smegheads yes, in the bin. In the bag. In the pan. Sorry, not the bin. In the bag. <laughs> I know, but we should maybe put series seven in the bin. Um, and yeah, even though this is has been series seven of Red Dwarf, this has been series ten of Smokeheads, nine, possibly, ten, possibly, possibly. because not we, including specials, not including specials. Yeah, <laughs> so that was series nine of Smokeheads actually, because we're two ahead because we did the two new ones. So the next series we do will be series ten, 10. of Smokeheads and series eight of Red Dwarf. Okay. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. But thank you for joining us on this journey, yeah. guys. We really appreciate your, your, your feedback. Don't forget to go on to iTunes, and if you've liked what you've heard, hopefully you have, uh, give us five stars, write a little note saying hello, and we, you hope we come back, because we will come back. If I, enough people like us yeah. want us to come back, we will come back. But you have to let us know. Tell us on Twitter, tell us on iTunes, and we'll do that. Um, and again, we we appreciate all the Red Dwarf fans out there. And, and um, if you want to send us free stuff, that would be okay as well. Send it to Post Pop HQ. But no, we, we always forget to mention that. The fact, like especially myself, I've been a Red Dwarf fan since I was like a, a baby, and Red Dwarf means a lot to me. Um, so it's been re- it's always really fun doing these the um, smokeheads. Yeah. Um, I know it means a lot to people out there as well because we get so much love from people on Twitter saying they absolutely love it and they love our, our banter. Um, oh, bad, thanks. So yeah, thank you very much, and um, take care of yourself and each other. That's right, and <laughs> it just leads me to a final. See you later, make heads. Bye. Bye. Bye.